0: the boys are back and grant is going on one final bender out in colorado before he becomes a dad here in a couple months so i decided to get someone who i haven't been on the podcast with i think he came on with grant in quite a while is my friend the man the myth the legend john kurtz john how are you doing today
1: doing great got myself a beer here with my recurring guest bosco's boys koozie so uh i am locked and loaded ready to go
0: yeah so what are you sipping on what is what
1: is your beer of the pod today okay so i'll show you this it's this um, it's two pitchers brewing company it's a rat it's a grapefruit radler nice um, it's very good i haven't gone to it in a while actually most of the time Lately, I've actually been drinking bourbon. You know, I'm starting to grow up a little bit, just and not not with Sprite, any of you haters out there, just straight bourbon, okay? But uh, I was feeling some beer, and when I go beer, I typically go fruity, but these things are really good. The, the lady at the fridge, I say lady, she was a nice young lady at the fridge that was checking me out, said that they were really good. So, hey, the ladies like them, I like them, that's good enough for me.
0: Yeah, so I actually had a beer recommendation for you. I don't know... Uh, If they have it at the fridge, I'm sure they do. They have everything in the fridge. They're not a sponsor, but they do have everything. But it's called Life Coach Lager, and they have Life Coach Lager Pineapple, because I know you're a Nancy guy, and that's Kansas Territory Brewing Company out in Washington, Kansas. I had one of those about four weeks ago in in a place. It was down in uh, the Crossroads District in Kansas City. I was talking to you about... Uh, Not very uh, socially distanced night out in the crossroads, but I was at a place that had life coach lager pineapple and I was like oh man, this is a Nancy right here except for you know it's brewed with pineapple versus being added to it so I'd keep your eyes peeled for that because I think you'd like that.
1: I I have had it before, Uh, life coach, even just straight up life coach is good. I like the life coach with pineapple. It's I've always found it really hard to find like the times that I've looked for it at the fridge, it's been sold out. So apparently it's pretty popular. Um, Shout out to Kellis for turning me onto that. But actually I've got one other shout out here, my new favorite beer. And if I would have been thinking ahead and not running late, like I typically am, I would have gone and grabbed some tonight before this is uh, so Manhattan Brewing Company, which I, I mean, I tell you what, like, socially distanced. I don't know. I spent a lot of time there. Um, but El Corazon is my favorite there, which is, uh, it's a sour, but it's obviously a little bit sweet as well. Like it's got like a pinkish kind of color to it. It's delicious, man. And and Manhattan Brewing Company is just really cool to hang out at. Uh, not sponsoring anything, not paying me anything, but uh, Manhattan Brewing Company is pretty awesome.
0: No, Manhattan Brewing is awesome. I've only been there once. I drove up from Kansas city to Manhattan to hang out with friend of the pod. And we were just talking about Jimmy, uh, you know, AKA Casey underscore fan. I just drove up on like a random Thursday in the summer. And it was the first time I went there, Manhattan brewing company. Great. Uh, like product, great space. And I'm trying to get them to do a collaboration pumpkin beer with me next year. The Bosco's boys, pumpkin boy, pumpkin ale next fall so go go into manhattan brewing tell them that you want it i think they even have a couple bosco's boys stickers up in there so next time you go yeah sure do so so we we love manhattan brewing before we start talking about anything specific i want to i was going to try to be funny and come up with a real joke but uh let's just poke fun at ku for a little bit is there any secret you've ever had in your life that you would forfeit four hundred thousand dollars to make sure no one would tell the world about it.
1: Okay, so wait, let me make sure I understand the question. You're asking me, is there a secret that I hold so dear that I would pay somebody 400 grand to not well, say it, would, it?
0: it would be forfeiting 400 grand. So for folks who are up to it, Brent Deerman left KU to be the offensive coordinator at Middle Tennessee State. And I think it was the good reporting of Mr. Jesse Newell who found out an NDA was signed by Brent Deerman for forfeiting for KU had him sign an NDA in exchange for taking his buyout from 500,000 down to just $100,000 for leaving KU. So basically, would you forfeit $400,000 just to keep a specific secret from getting out to the world?
1: I don't know if I have one that's worth that. But I'm going to take this way too literally and be like, well, but if I'm Kansas athletics and I, I'm this big entity, although shit, man, their finances have been <laughs> terrible for a long time. So I don't, they don't really have 400 grand to be throwing around there either. But I, I do not think that I have anything that bad. I'm a pretty open person sometimes to a fault. Uh, you know, you listen to the radio show, you may figure some of that out. So I don't think so, but Brent Deerman, man, what a fascinating thing that is! Like, fact that he leaves for Middle Tennessee, and I don't know. I mean, I saw speculation from some Kansas guys, like, "All right, is it that he? Is this something about less, or is this that Kansas was really firing him and they're trying to soften the blow?" Like, I right, come on, man, what is better for your career at this point? Being attached to less miles or literally anything else? It's literally anything else. So, like, Middle Tennessee and being closer to where like he's from and his family. Like, I understand that. I mean, it it makes all the sense in the world. Like he's going to leave. They don't want him to talk shit on less, whatever it is. Um, hilarious, absolutely hilarious. And then they hire some old crotchety guy that Andy Reid says is awesome. I don't know. Well, so again, we'll we'll
0: move on past making fun of KU football here in a second, but the fact that they had him sign a non-disclosure agreement and basically say you can never say anything bad about KU. Um, That makes me think he is getting out of town because it is a clown car operation. And like, everyone knows it. Everyone knows less. I mean, again, I'm like legitimately worried for his like mental state. Um, So, so what can he really say that isn't already out there? So I, I thought it was an interesting move. Um, And I'm just, you know, again, K-State has their own problems, but I am very confident no matter what happens, K-State basketball has the potential to bounce back. I don't know if KU football can ever bounce back.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're talking about, like, you know, if if this K-State basketball season were extrapolated out over the course of, like, a decade and a half, then we're talking about, like, being on an equal – playing field here plus like basketball is just a it's a bit easier to bounce back I mean if you find you know how quick did K-State go from Jim Woldridge to Bob Huggins rolls in Michael Beasley shows up and all of a sudden it's a perennial tournament team right like uh, you can turn it around a lot faster but yeah man it's it's a mess and I, I will say this I mean I I guess if less really I, I would feel bad yes if less legitimately does have real health problems but the problem is Kansas keeps rolling him out there. And I use the analogy. It's like, you know, like in a fight, I'm not really like a UFC fan or a boxing fan, but like, if you roll a guy out there and let him keep taking shots, even though he's clearly woozy and can't defend himself. I mean, are you, the the problem here is that they're throwing him out there in the middle of the ring. Like if you're the other guy, you got to keep swinging. Like that's, that's what you do. So we keep making the jokes and we keep doing what we do.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right. So um, I'd be shocked at least fingers crossed that actually this won't be one of our most listened to uh, episodes because this is going to be dropping the monday after the Super Bowl you and I are recording this actually Friday evening before the Super Bowl so no one's going to hear this prediction before the game but you know I'm just curious just two two guys having fun talking over zoom what what is your prediction
1: for sunday well I have been steadfast in incredible confidence um I don't uh, there's Tom Brady at this point is is a an above average quarterback which is amazing in and of itself that he's been able to lead a team with a, a lot of weapons and a pretty good head coach to the super bowl but i mean that's just it like he's an above average quarterback like maybe top 10 in the nfl at this point Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes like <laughs> Mahomes is better than Brady at the peak of his powers so Andy Reid is better than Bruce Arians like Spags has the uh, is better than Todd Bowles. I mean, I just don't, I I get it that Eric Fisher's out and the tackles are concerned, but I don't know. I don't feel like this game will be particularly close. I feel a pretty comfortable chiefs win. Now, having said all that, I I mean, the one thing that's given me pause, and maybe it's just because it's fresh in my mind, but I I can't imagine what's going through the mind of Andy Reid right now, after we found out the story about his son, Britt Reid the the outside linebackers coach on the team um And everything that's happening there. So, I mean, that would be like the one thing that gives me pause. But before that, I mean, I always project brash confidence with the Chiefs. Rightfully so. Like, what what reason do we have to think that the Chiefs are going to get beat here and now? Like, Brady has all this Super Bowl experience. Okay, but what about the rest of Tampa's roster? Those guys haven't sniffed anything close to the Super Bowl in a long time. The Chiefs were just there last year, and it's a run it back campaign. Everybody's back. Like, everybody was there. They've already been through this. Like. Uh, please i mean i'm still very very confident in the chiefs all right uh, do well, I if i need a score we'll say uh 38 to 24 okay well
0: hopefully everyone who does decide to listen to this is tweeting into your jail kurt saying you're an oracle you got it completely right if you're listening to this and the chief's loss it's all john's fault tweet them all the hate and vitriol you can on this monday morning I'm sure you can okay,
1: take it. I hedged a little bit with the Britt Reid thing, okay? I hedged a little bit.
0: Well, we'll see. I, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, and you know what, folks? I know you all are smart. You smell good. And you made a lot of money betting on the Super Bowl over at Bet Online. Use promo code Armchair. Now it's time to continue building up that bankroll before the NCAA tournament. God willing that we have it over there in the Indianapolis bubble. Football is officially over. It's going to be sad. It's going to be a long, you know, seven month wait for more football, but you have all the basketball you can want to gamble on and some European soccer. And before you know it, sounds like MLA less they're figuring out all their labor uh negotiations so they're going to be back to all you could gamble on is over at bet online promo code armchair okay so let's get into the actual k-state portion of the show uh which honestly isn't that much fun we aren't going to talk a ton about k-state basketball and as i said at the top we actually aren't even recording this like with the texas tech game in mind we're recording this on a friday uh so if we happen to pull off the upset awesome maybe i'll like bring on my dad for like a 15 minute celebration of beating Texas tech, but it's probably not going to happen. So where, where are you when it comes to this basketball season? How's it been covering the team and basically having to talk about them day in, day out during a season like this?
1: It ain't great. (laughs) It ain't great. Um, man, I just, I never, I never thought it would be this bad. I, you know, I think a good way to put this into perspective is like everybody, we came into the year thinking, okay, this is a team picked last in the big 12 preseason poll and nobody really batted an eye. So everybody I think came into the year with an understanding that this was not going to be good. But even with that as the baseline one, I think there's an element of, Hey, it's one thing to say you're going to be bad. know you're going to be bad. And it's another thing to like actually live through it. Like that makes it feel worse when you're going through it and the team's not competitive. Um, but also like, I think about a bad team. I mean, the team was bad last year and, and finished last in the league, but like, you know, I mean, they were in some games. They could, they could compete. Like this team just has not been competitive. They have the Iowa state game and then they have the TCU game. I mean that's basically it in the league like everything they're losing Big 12 games by an average of 19 points per game. They've lost the last 4 Big 12 games by 119 points, which is almost 20 point or uh, almost 30 points per game that you're losing by. This season's included uh, two candidates for worst loss in school history. One losing by 48 at Baylor, which is the highest margin of victory that you've ever lost by and then the Fort Hays State game where you I mean you got punked by Fort Hays State. Like I just I get it the pandemic is exasperated problems that are on this roster um but you dug your own hole with that by what happened last year and having to blow things up again and you still it should not i mean just historically bad losses night in and night out should not be happening i mean i think honestly the kansas game is about as big of an indictment on the the program as anything because that kansas team is extremely pedestrian i mean like I don't, what are the, is that that like an eight seed? I mean, maybe. Um, And, and can't, I didn't even feel like Kansas played a great game. They didn't shoot it really well from three Jalen Wilson. Wasn't that good. And they are just rolling through sleepwalking through a game where they're up by 26 in the second half. I mean, there's just no, no chance of anything to have happen. And it feels like the team is like is worse than the sum of its parts. And I know that the parts aren't that great, but like Nigel and Davion and Selton, with a little bit of DeJuan, like, and Mike McGurl should, should at least be a team that's not getting beat by 20 every single night. So I, I just, it's, it's kind of perplexing how it's gotten this bad this fast, even in pandemic conditions. And I, I just don't know that there's uh coming back from this, to be honest.
0: Yeah, definitely. So depending on where you decide to keep your ears to, um, I, I, think, I, I think you're hearing some of the whispers. I think some of the savvy uh, K-State fans are able to hear the whispers getting louder about this ultimately being the end of the Bruce Weber era. So first off, if you put a gun to your head, do you think this is going to be the final year of Bruce? And then the second part of that is do you think K-State will regret not trying to let Bruce see through uh, you know, things with this young roster?
1: Yeah, I would just say that, like first and foremost up front, I I am somebody that started as a Bruce Weber hater, turned into a, a big time Bruce defender because I appreciate what he was able to accomplish and looking back on it, like realize like every step of the way, he's just he's he's, he's been shit on too much um, by his own fan base, and it's a very complicated legacy that that he has carved out for himself right now at k-state and he has always been very easy to work with really good to us i think he's a really good guy um i think there's even stuff that like hasn't gone publicized that he's done that's just been like speaks to his character as a person um and the whole staff like I, i mean i chris lowry Shane Southwell, I mean, like Shane's my dude, man. I love, I I love those guys, and it it sucks that they're having to go through this. And even guys like Mike McGurl who gets thrown to the wolves every I mean, he's one of the guys that has to talk all the time to the media, and like you just feel bad for him. Like, I don't know what he's supposed to say answering these questions. Like, so I, I very much see the human side of it where I know a lot of people don't, and I I feel bad for them that they're in the position that they're in. But, you know, if you force me to predict here, I get the optics of $2 million buyout in a pandemic. I get two years removed from a big 12 championship. But I, I like I said, I've been using the analogy all year. If you dig yourself a hole, it doesn't matter who has the shovels, like the pandemic and injuries. And some of these things can have some of those shovels that are digging this hole, but you still have to get back out of it at some point, if you want the program to be back and, when the hole is as deep as it's gotten right now i i just have my doubts that this staff has the juice to be able to get it back out of there and i i think that gene taylor is smart enough to recognize that and see that and it just feels like i mean every loss seems to be like this historically bad loss so unless and let me that's the caveat here unless something drastically changes the rest of the year, which doesn't seem likely to based on the schedule and the fact that like Nigel's back now, and this is still happening, unless something drastically changes, it feels like that's the way it's heading. And will K-State regret it? I I guess a lot of that would depend on the next hire, but it feels like this is kind of coming to a natural conclusion. Um, You know, Bruce is getting up there in age He's gone through a lot of cycles and ups and downs as, as the leader of the program. It just feels like it's kind of coming to a natural conclusion here, and it would be in the best interest of everybody to, to just move on. So I, I would say that I doubt it, but I, I do try to say that with respect, because like I said, I uh, I appreciate what Bruce has done here, and I think those guys have done it the right way and are really good dudes, and um, I, I do hate to see it in like this.
0: Definitely. So if they do go a different direction – where would you like to see them go for a head coach? Is there a name or two you're attached to, or is it more of just some macro things you want to see from the next guy?
1: I have not become super attached to one guy. And that is a part of this that I, I don't want to be too gloom and doomy here, but I, I don't know that there's like a home run candidate out there that makes sense. And I know like everyone will scream like Brad Underwood, but I I mean, like, let's be honest. We're talking about, realistic options like there's not a name out there that is a slam dunk hire, and I, I know like a lot of I know a lot of people like Craig Smith at Utah State I'm, I'm intrigued I mean I'd be open to exploring it I know there was a lot of talk the other day about KT Turner when he was on the Texas bench um taking over for Shaka I guess some of the ties there I can understand and allure to that um I don't know that I even have a preference. Like, do I want an established head coach or an up and comer? I mean, typically my sensibilities would lean toward give me the stud recruiter up and comer, but like we listen, let's be honest, even the crowd that's been even more so like that than me over the years, like someone brought up the other day, like Orlando Antigua, who was that? Like, he was like coach Cal's assistant for a long time. And like that guy just sucked out loud. Like, you know, it, I was parading around for Doug Gottlieb once upon a time. And I guess we, we don't know. I mean, who knows what, but, you know, I mean, there've been some dumb things that have come across because of everybody's sensibilities being too far pulled in that direction. Now, having said that on the opposite side, I would absolutely hate it if Tim miles were the higher, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I would not like that. Um, but I don't know, somewhere in between just open it up to a search and and let's go. Let's see what happens. I, I don't have a specific name to give you. I don't even know that I have specific traits to give you right now. I just preferably something that would be kind of exciting. I'm always going to land on the side of sexy. So if you can sell me on that, whatever it is, but I have not done enough research to be like, this, this is the guy.
0: Definitely. All right. So let's move away from basketball because it's just kind of depressing at this point. Um, I, and this is, this is mainly kind of like, inside jokes now at this point but are you up to participate in this little game I'm trying to get established among some of the big and medium and small J's uh on the coach climbing press conferences I tried to give Derek Young a secret word to work into a coach climbing question in the press conference he didn't go for it Then I tried to get Kellis in, and Derek's like, all right, if it's going to be a game, he'll play. Are you throwing your hat into the ring for these secret words and phrases in the Coach Kleiman press conference uh, game that I'm trying to get going uh, for this football season?
1: Well, first of all, Derek Young is clearly an albatross upon all of us uh, for not accepting the invitation to do that. I think it sounds fun as hell. Uh, We used to do – I can't remember if that was, like, last year of Snyder, 2018, 2019, 2017, somewhere in there. We realized that like everybody's crutch was like, you'd take the mic and everyone was like, coach, I'm curious about, I'm curious about blah, blah, blah. So like, I started keeping a little tally of how many times someone said curious in a, in a press conference. So like these kind of things are not unheard of. Um, We also have, I don't know if I would call it like a total blessing, but at least like Ryan Lackey, who's the football sports information director, like has at least acknowledged its existence and not, you know, I haven't got a text that said, Hey, like, Hey, don't do this. Um, I I think it sounds fun, especially when we're in the era of zoom press conferences where like, we just need something to spice it up. I mean, it's not as fun as being there in person. So uh, I'm 100% here for it. And I will tell you that I had this fleeting thought today of like, all right, I need to figure out a way to work in albatross, but uh, my schedule was such today that it was really tight and I had to come in a little bit late to the press conference. And so I was just a little bit sped up and out of, but long story short, I am a, I am here for it. I would absolutely uh, love to participate.
0: Okay, so what I'm gonna do is, first off, I need to figure out what Coach Klein's spring press conference schedule is. I know it's always the same day in season, but I'll start a Twitter direct message uh, group chat With you three in it, I will give a handful of words or phrases before the press conference. And then I want the boneheads to go back and listen or listen live on ESPN Plus and see if you can figure out what the secret word or phrases are. There will be three or four just because, you know, if Kellis gets to you know, hog the the mic early on in all the Zoom press conferences. I don't want to give him an unfair advantage, so there'll be chances for all three of you guys. But I want the boneheads to tweet in if they think they know the word, and I think it's going to be fun.
1: I think so too. Like as as long as as long as it doesn't get too crazy, like with <clears throat> within reason, I will absolutely participate. Well, and,
0: and it's not like you guys are going to get fired or I'm going to, like, show up and tar and feather you if you don't. My idea was, it, it was the the word the first word was albatross. I was like, all right, I'm going to start easy. But then by, you know, conference play before you – like, you know, the week after Oklahoma State, all of a sudden the phrase is going to be the Browns is the Browns or, you know, <laughs> some, it's just something wild and see, and see if anyone can make it happen. Uh, but you know, again, never feel pressured to do it. The, this is your guy's
1: job, but I think I think it'd be a fun little game. Well, hey, if uh, if I get a pink slip, I'll just refer him to uh, the Bosco's boy. I'll just refer him to this podcast. And uh, you can pay my unemployment or something. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. No, I
0: well, – and again, I don't want to get too crazy because, you know, I, th- I think Ryan Lackey likes me. I think Kenny Lanoue likes me. Tom Gilbert never answers anyone's email, so I don't know if he likes me or not. But I don't want Ryan and Kenny to hate me. So, it, it's not – it's never going to be anything too wild. But we'll we'll see, we'll see how how far we can press our luck in this game. All right. A great dude. Uh, who? Who's a great dude?
1: Oh, all three of them. I say oh, okay. all three. All three great dudes. <laughs>
0: okay, I, I, th- I thought you're. You see, you, you can't be playing favorites. I can. My power no. rankings yeah. go: Kenny, Ryan, Tom. Tom, you never answer my email, so. Uh, we'll keep moving on because there was some actual news that came out of the press conference. Uh, K-State Online had this little early shout out to Derek Young. He's my boy. He was on this before everyone. But it sounds like Coach Messingham now is going to be coaching the wide receivers. Coach Ray is now coaching the tight ends and fullbacks. I have my own theories on this, but are you buying the reason behind it is Clyman saying that he wants the offensive coordinator to be more involved in the passing game? Are you buying that is the reason?
1: uh not not like that being like the full 100% reason and i think even some of that just listening to the way he responded to the question he was he was really going out of his way to sell it like it was a pretty hard sell and the question was not like some inquisitive like or like real hard hitting like explain it was just like hey do you have any staff changes it was not so that that tells me that he felt the need to really explain it which would tell me that there's more behind it um I mean, maybe that's a part of it. Clearly the offense, I mean, the receivers need something, right? They need some kind of extra juice. And I think it is fair to point out, again, I try and always be fair here. Much as we might be frustrated with Jason Ray for the receivers last year, um, they did have to deal with uh, a lot of injuries and COVID issues. That was a group that was hit pretty hard at times. Um, it was just a weird season in general where there were a lot of issues in a lot of different places. And, oh, by the way, Skylar Thompson, who was straight up slinging it, uh, before he got hurt, gets knocked out. And then you're having to deal with this true freshman quarterback, put in an unfair position the rest of the year. That's going to hurt the numbers and production of your receivers, no matter who's coaching them. Nick Saban could be coaching those dudes. I mean, I guess he's a defensive guy. Sean McVay could be coaching those dudes. Um, and they would have suffered because of that. Now, having said that, the highest um, receiver in terms of receiving yards was Jabash Taylor. And it was like under 300 yards. And he was the third leading receiver on the team when the leading receiver is Deuce Vaughn, who didn't even have 500 yards receiving. So like, that's that's not good. It needs to be better. Malik Knowles, it just, uh, between injuries and whatever it's been, it just hasn't clicked with him yet. Um, And the, the receivers in 2019 were just okay. You know, I mean, Dalton Schoen definitely helped. It's not like that's been a standout group at any point. It seemed like they were trending downward. There was a lot that went wrong, like Joaquin Gill got hurt. I mean, again, there's there's been some fluky stuff there that I think is out of his control. But I think it's also fair to say his job performance in a highly competitive industry warrants some criticism. So I understand wanting to get Mess's hands on the receivers. Mess has coached receivers three times in his career. Once was at Iowa State, the other two it was Missouri state and I forget it was Southern Illinois, maybe so smaller ish schools, but, um, he's done it before. I think it significantly raises the floor of the receiver group to have Messingham him there. I don't know that Messingham him like a terrifically high ceiling as a receivers coach, but he's a veteran coach, no matter what you think of him as an offensive coordinator, which I'm higher on him the most, but no matter what you think of that, this is a dude that's been around the block. He's been a coach at multiple FBS schools. Um, much more veteran than Jason Ray is. I think it raises the floor of where they're at and they just needed something, something different to, to hopefully spark some change there. So I, I'm for it. I understand why they did it. I do think there's more to it. And at the same time, climate has to sell it as, as being something like that, because not just like publicly to the fans, you know, you don't want to throw one of your own coaches under the bus, but what do you say to your tight ends? Like, what do you say to your fullbacks? Like, Hey guys, we're giving you the crappy coach. Like, you know, I mean, you can't, and I don't think that's really how they, they feel about Jason Ray, but you can't, I mean, you have to package it better than that. So, I mean, like that's, that's my basic explanation of where I feel like things are at right there. Derek, I mean, again, you recased it online, you, you know what's going on. I mean, Derek has his pulse on this better than anybody. Um, but that's, that's how I would try to phrase it to you.
0: Yeah. So I, how do you even coach the fullbacks? You just tell, you know, Jacksonine to crush some red bulls and creatine, like, you know, just, just let Jax be Jack's that's the easiest job on the field
1: yeah i i uh i can remember i think it was uh Hill i feel like Tannehill told me some good braden wilson stories once upon a time i wish i could remember some of those a little bit better i lived with travis Tannehill for like six months once upon a time um but uh similar kind of deal right you know you just tell them to go ram their head against the line of scrimmage but i mean honestly I mean, that's what i was gonna say like they I, injuries have really hurt at tight end but like the tight ends i mean like sammy wheeler's he's a player when he's healthy briley moore did well last year when he was healthy jackson mean before he up. broke his
0: freaking hand man
1: Ugh. yeah i think mess has done a a pretty good job with the the tight ends of fullback so that is probably something we should talk about more in this is like hey know let's hope jason ray can can keep that up and keep it going where you know they have a lot of bodies at tight end but a lot of bodies that have been pretty broken and injured um with now uh daniel amater Bebe in here from amater Bebe. i don't know hell if i know dude it's a bitch to pronounce what Um, what was
0: that like 2000s rap song a (laughs) bebe. yeah
1: uh, that, that was like hurricane Shout out Hurricane Chris. Yes. A hey, Bay Boy, the black hole era of uh, rap music. That's a, that's a hell of a reference there.
0: Yes. Okay. So something that I'm a little disappointed in all you journalists, no one asked about uh, Wayne Jones. He played almost or started almost every game as a freshman at safety. Last year de- dealt with injuries and just basically lack of production. Now on the spring roster, he is playing linebacker um first off you know i have to ask this question because we couldn't get an answer from chris Kleiman because no one asked him maybe that needs to be the secret phrase ask Wayne about wayne jones going to linebacker but i'll I'll stop i'll stop giving you guys crap but you think this move will it was a move to help out the linebackers or do you think they're just trying to find anywhere on the field to help wayne get his groove back and be productive
1: so in our defense i will say that it was the first press conference first availability we had had with coach Kleiman in a long time so there was a lot of ground to cover and to me i mean i had that all list of about 10 questions that i would like to ask but you have to kind of prioritize and then especially because it's zoom um it's i think it's a little easier from like a sports info standpoint to like manage how many questions are getting asked and like i'm trying to you're trying to be courteous of other people there where when it's a regular press conference it's a little easier to Uh, rapid fire some of those things and if we had had availability so no excuses you know don't accept losing goal number whatever all that but um yeah that's that's my breakdown of why it didn't get asked I think I don't I'm not expecting the world out of Wayne Jones as a linebacker his biggest issue and I think the biggest complaint people would have about him is actually tackling which wouldn't serve you really well as a linebacker but it's clear that his career trajectory had just taken him to a place where, you know, I mean, he's, he's a starting safety, then he's a backup nickel and it's like, okay, well, what is he? And they got better in the secondary with the transfers that they brought in with yeast of Brents. Um, and they, they, frankly, they need linebacker help. Like they need some depth at linebacker without Sullivan and Hughes. So I think it's probably a combination of like where they could use some extra help the most. And also somebody that, Seemingly, just move backwards at his current position group and try to squeeze whatever it is that you can out of him, and see if a change will help him out. And I'll give Jones credit. Sports Social Podcast Network.